This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Consider us just a small reprieve from all the election news and opinions and everything else. That's what we're here for today. And we have fun things to talk about. Welcome in, everybody, to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly. Greetings today from San Francisco, where yesterday the Saints improved to 4-4 four and four by beating the Niners 41-23. to And where tonight, just across the bay, the Pelicans will be looking for their first win of the season, and they'll look to do it against the defending Western Conference champion, Golden State Warriors. So we have, we have interesting things to discuss on this Monday. All of it non-election related, and we're pleased to be uh, that uh, island, if you will, for you, in which will be a, probably a crazy 48 hours for all of us here in this country. But uh, certainly it's a happy Saints Monday as they uh, win yesterday in their first ever visit to Levi Stadium. Uh, and, and it's probably a game that most everybody had to see the Saints uh, being favored or uh, you know having a great chance at being 4-4 four and four at the end of the day. But when it comes down to it, it is the NFL, and you have to deliver. Well, the Saints did just that, and there are several, several good nuggets from yesterday's game worth talking about. We'll do that today with our own John DeShazer, who stops by for his Monday morning wrap-up from NewOrleansSaints.com. That 0-3 start, you know, we always harken back to it, but remember, they were losing really close games, um, playing, you know, just well enough to get themselves beat you know, doing just enough things to lose games. And, and fortunately for them in this last hot stretch here, you know, those are the things that they've been avoiding except when they lost at Kansas City. Otherwise, they've been avoiding, you know, the big turnovers or they've been creating turnovers. They hadn't been committing a, a ton of penalties. Uh, they've been converting on third down, all the things that have made them successful in the past. So John will be here, and we'll talk about that Saints win and, of course, all that goes around, you know, Mark Ingram and Michael Thomas and the Saints defense in the second half yesterday and what they have upcoming now in a Denver team that played in Oakland last night and lost. They've lost two of their last three. They'll still bring a nice six-win uh, tally to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome this weekend, and we will discuss that with John as well. As we mentioned at the start, the Pelicans enter this week still searching for their first win of the season. They're 0-6. It won't be easy in this three-game trip here out west with Golden State tonight at Sacramento in their new building tomorrow night. And then we'll head back toward the Midwest of the country and see Milwaukee on Thursday. Hopefully something comes out of that. Unfortunately, when the team arrived here the other night, uh, Lance Stevenson uh, was... Uh, well, reported injured. I don't know how he finished the game against Phoenix the other night, but he has a groin injury that's going to require surgery and will have him out for some significant time. And therefore, the Pelicans have had to waive Lance Stevenson. Uh, we'll see what the future holds for both of those parties uh, here down the road. But there are several reports already, uh, not only yesterday, but here again this morning, that the uh, Pelicans are ready to sign Archie Goodwin, who is a Kentucky guy who may probably have, should have stayed at Kentucky a little bit longer. Nonetheless, after one season he came up, the Suns picked him up at what they thought was a value pick, kind of in the late first round, and then it never really panned out uh, for the Suns, that is. Uh, this is a talented kid. This is, this is a nice pickup for the Pelicans. It's hard to say what kind of an impact he'll have here early on. Um, but again, the reason that Goodwin is probably available is 
the fact that Phoenix is guard rich. There's no doubt. And I think he got caught in a numbers game. And we'll see how this plays out. We'll see what the team has to say about Goodwin as the day progresses and whether or not he'll be with the team tonight at Golden State. There are only two winless teams still in the NBA, the New Orleans Pelicans, one of them. And then there are some other great storylines emerging now after the first week or two of the regular season. So we'll kind of take a big look at the NBA today with NBA TV's Matt Weiner. He'll stop by today to talk not only about the Pelicans and their rough start, what lies ahead for them, but also hear some of the early headlines in the association. You know, obviously the injuries are a huge issue, and at some point, hopefully Drew Holiday's uh, home situation is is resolved in a positive way, and he can come back and, and concentrate on basketball. But, you know, that's that's just a difficult situation. There's no rush on that, obviously. It's a, this is a life issue, not a basketball issue. But in the meantime, between he and Tyreek Evans, they're, you know, really low in terms of depth of talent. And they just need better players around Anthony Davis. So two very good guests for you, as usual. It's a Monday, so we try and hit hit a couple extra base hits here for you. And it's easier to do after a Saints win. John DeShazer and uh, Matt Weiner with us on the Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Hey, Saints fans, be sure to check out this Sunday's honorary captain, Master Sergeant Gilbert Thompson. He's a mental health technician in the U.S. Air Force. He'll be brought to you by Community Coffee, the official coffee of the New Orleans Saints. So we'll look for... Master Sergeant Thompson when the Saints take on the Denver Broncos coming up this weekend at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Let's go ahead and take our first time out here from the West Coast. When we come back, we'll get into that Saints win over the Niners with our own John DeShazer. Win the night for the entire family with a Pierre's Party Pack. Ticket packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include three or more tickets, combo meals, and an encore free throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $48. The next Pierre's Party Pack night is Saturday, November 12th against the Los Angeles Lakers. For more information and to plan your next winning night out with the gang, visit pelicans.com today. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes, cancer patients come who were told they were out of options. But Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly and John DeShazer. 
Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We rely, of course, a lot on our own John DeShazer, rightfully so. He's with the Saints every day, and he's good. So we welcome him back for his usual Monday morning breakdown of the Saints. And it's a good breakdown today as New Orleans, as we talked about earlier, wins yesterday at San Francisco 41-23. John, welcome home. I hope all went well in your travels back to New Orleans. Well, look, man, you, you float home when you get a road win, and especially if it's a road win, that's the fourth win in five games like it is for the Saints. So, yeah, it was a pretty easy flight back. Um, they're on a bit of a roll, you have to say, four out of five. And, uh, you know, you know how it is. Everything smells a little bit sweeter and everything feels a little bit better if you win. You're four and four here at the halfway point. John, I don't want to make it out to be like this is some miracle, but it sure didn't look good there for a while early in the season. Well, I mean, when you start 0-3, that's a, that's a huge hole to try to climb out of. So it takes just about everything you have to be able to get back to, to even keel, which the Saints have done. Now, that 0-3 start, you know, we always harken back to it. But remember, they were losing really close games, um, playing, you know, just well enough to get themselves beat, you know, doing just enough things to lose games. And, and fortunately for them in this last hot stretch here, you know, those are the things that they've been avoiding except when they lost at Kansas City. Otherwise, they've been avoiding, you know, the big turnovers or they've been creating turnovers. They hadn't been committing a, a ton of penalties. Uh, they've been converting on third down, all the things that have made them successful in the past. And, oh, by the way, finally it seems like the defense is showing some sparks. It didn't do it in the first half yesterday, but in the second half it played pretty pretty nice shutdown defense, uh, played really good defense against Seattle, played really good defense um, previously against Kansas City. Uh, played decent enough defense to win those other games. So, you know, things are coming around. We know we knew this offense was going to come around and score. And, you know, even when they were struggling during preseason, that's an area that the Saints hadn't had to worry about for quite some time. And the offense is doing exactly what you thought it would do. But now it's getting a little bit of help from defense. And that's, you know, pretty much all we thought. You know, you can't give up 31 a game as they were earlier this season. But if you can cut it down to something reasonable, you know, 20, 23, 17, then the Saints give themselves a great chance of winning. Drew Brees, the eternal optimist, was right, wasn't he? Early in the season, he said, hey, look, I know this doesn't look good, but this is trending in the right direction. And everybody was looking at him going, dude, you're 0-3. But that's all they've done is trend in the right direction, John. This is one of the most potent offenses right now in the NFL. Well, he kept saying, you know, it was more about, you know, the attitude in the locker room where these guys weren't beaten. Either, even though they weren't winning, they weren't beaten mentally. They were just trying to figure out how to win. And, and I think a lot of it is, and he mentioned it yesterday, you get a bunch of young guys, a bunch of, you know, you know rookies and first and second year guys who don't necessarily know how to win yet and, you know, hadn't be, really been exposed to it a whole lot because the Saints have been 7-9 the last couple of seasons. And so you can't always think those guys in the 2006, 2009, 2011 terms, this is a brand-new set of guys. And, yeah, you have some remnants of those teams, namely Drew Brees and Zach Streif, but not enough to where you can just kind of win by osmosis. So they got to learn the whole process over again. I think they're getting into some of that because, you know, they got some guys who are coming up with some plays at some crucial times, whereas last year, man, you know, these things were going against the Saints. And, and earlier in the first three games, those things were going against the Saints. But now they're the team that's making the plays to win the game. It's certainly not going to get any easier. More on that in a moment. And I certainly have a couple of topics I want to bring up with you. I'll do that in a moment. First, though, John, let me let me try and set the table here for the other topics by asking you – 
what your biggest takeaways were from the win yesterday. Um, what I I love that the Francisco was last in the league in run defense, allowing 185 yards a game. And you know the Saints are the Saints. They're going to put the ball in the air, but they stuck to the run game uh, enough to run for 248 yards, uh, which is a, a high under coach under Sean Payton. Which was and and the guy who did the work, you know, the previous week we were talking about Tim Hightower and how nobody deserves good things more than Tim Hightower. Well, Mark Ingram falls in that category too. I mean, just a guy who is beloved through the locker room. So I don't know who it hurt most to see him get benched against Seattle, whether it hurt Mark the most or his teammates because they know what he puts into it. Well, yesterday he runs 15 times, 458 yards, and that 75-yard touchdown. So you love to see the Saints stay with it on the ground because we saw them do it against Seattle. That was the path to victory against Seattle. And it was a huge reason they won yesterday. The Saints had time for possession. They had the ball 38 minutes and 53 seconds, almost 39 minutes in that game. And that that's almost unheard of in an NFL game against another professional team. I don't care if they're playing hurry or not. That's almost unheard of. So you see that and you love to see what the Saints did with the running game. And the second half defensively, that first half, Colin Kaepernick was 14 for 18 for 286 yards in the first half. Second half, he was 10 for 21 for 112 yards. Now, is Colin Kaepernick the most accurate quarterback in the league? No, he's not. But he found a way to get it done the first half against the Saints, and they were able to make the adjustments defensively in the second half to pretty much shut down San Francisco's offense. So those couple of things I take away from it. And also, you know, the Saints continue to do what they do on third down. Yesterday they were 11 for 17. Uh, they're above 50% on third down conversions on the season. And they started the first three games, I think they were about 20-some percent. So they've been extremely hot the last four or five games on third down conversion. And those are the things that keep your offense on the field, keep their defense on the field keep this defense off the field, you know, get them less snaps. The Saints put up 82 snaps yesterday, and that keeps your defense fresh, and it wears down the opposing defense. So I think those are three of the things you take away from it. You know, of course, you know, I always take Drew Brees for granted because, you know, you just kind of look at Drew Brees and you figure, you know, he's going to get his 300 yards, and yesterday was another game where he throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns and no interceptions. And, oh, by the way, a 122.1 uh, passer rating. You almost take him for granted. <laughs> so, you know, you you, you kind of write that one down in the books before the game. Michael Thomas continues to impress. I mean, a lot of names that are given good things for the Saints. The one area that continues to be a concern is special teams. Um, you know, the return, the, the, the coverage unit was not solid yesterday. Uh, Brian Dixon makes a huge mistake in the punt game where, you know, he, he interferes with the fair catch and tackles the guy and, you know, gets the 15-yard penalty. Uh, those things have to be cleared up. Will Lutz missed a 55-yard field goal attempt. But, you know, to me, anything beyond 50, 50 yards, man, when you get to, in the 55, 57-yard range, you know, that's a little bit more dicey than if he's missing from 48 or so. So those I'll kind of live, you know, I don't necessarily mind living with, and especially the way the Saints started defending yesterday. You can kind of live with that. But, you know, a lot of things to like about yesterday's game. You don't like, you know, some of the special teams. You don't like that first half defensively, especially because two busts led to two long touchdown passes. But for the most part, I mean, it was it was a fairly decent game. It wasn't as complete as the Seattle win, but, you know, it might have been it might have been second in line behind that one.
I was really excited yesterday, John, uh, for Mark Ingram, obviously, because, you know, he, he was in the doghouse and had a hot, trouble hanging on to the football. He recovers nicely yesterday, but I was equally as happy for Sean Payton, who, after kind of laying down the law, uh, gave him another chance. And each guy rewarded the other in that situation. Well, you, you, know, I, you know, you converse with people on Twitter and wherever, even on the streets, and people are saying, why doesn't Sean Payton just bench him? Why didn't he just trade him? Why didn't he just cut him? Why didn't he just do this? Why didn't he? and people people want Sean Payton to go out publicly and say Mark Ingram is a bum? Well, one, he's not a bum. Two, you can't trash players when they have a bad game because you don't know when you're going to need the guy. So at at his lowest is when you got to build him up the most. And three, Mark Ingram's played some pretty good football for the Saints over the last couple of years. A lot of folks don't like to acknowledge it, but if you look at his numbers, his per per uh, per carry average, his ability to now be a receiver, his ability uh, in the passing game where he's very, very good in blitz pickup, you know, the running between the tackles and the tough yards. And, you know, in this universe, man, if you have one or two bad games in a row, people want to wad you up and throw you away, and it just doesn't work that way. You know, the season is too long, and the running back position takes too much punishment very rarely does one guy last an entire 16 games. You need a committee, and Mark Ingram is very, very good at what he does for the Saints. So, yeah, it was fantastic to see him have that kind of game uh, to get his confidence back up. And I don't necessarily know that it was completely gone, but, you know, you want to see good things happen for him. And, look, nobody was happier for him than his teammates. When he broke that 75-yard touchdown run, you know, the guys, if they could have run to the end zone without getting a, getting a penalty and swarmed him, they would have because they have that kind of regard for him. Yeah, no doubt. John, I'll admit, I'm, I have a little bit of bias here. I think everybody realizes what this podcast is and, and the fact that you and I both work for the organization. Um, but I can't help but think that Drew Brees at some point has to be in the MVP conversation if this season trends toward a winning um, a finish for the Saints. Uh, and also Michael Thomas in the conversation for NFL Rookie of the Year. It, it, they're, they're, they keep making a case that I can't ignore uh, halfway through the season. Well, I mean, this offense is Drew Brees. I mean, now any way you want to cut it. Now, of course, he's got to get the proper protection up front, and he's had that this season, you know, even though Teron Armstead's been out in and out at left tackle and Andrews Pete's been a little bit in and out of that lineup. The line has been – much more solid than we thought it was going to be coming out of training camp because it looked to be a question mark, and now it looks more like an excla exclamation point. But Drew Brees makes this thing go. I mean, his distribution of the ball, his ability to find open guys and to throw guys open from time to time. Now, yesterday, Michael Thomas just makes one of the one of, uh, uh, just a fantastic play on the ball. But Drew Brees makes this thing go. And I think because you have that kind of quarterback, it allows Michael Thomas to make that kind of play because, you know, a lot of quarterbacks might not throw that pass, and Drew Brees throws it and says, okay, guy, make a play for me. You know, make a play for us. Help us out here. And Michael Thomas comes down with it. So if Drew Brees isn't high in the MVP voting, and, I mean, I know Derek Carr is probably sitting atop that list right now, the Oakland Raiders quarterback. He's probably on the top of that list. But, you know, and, and Tom Brady, even though he's played an abbreviated season, he's going to get a whole lot of regard considering the way New England's rolling. But Drew Brees has got to be in the conversation. And Michael Thomas, that receiver, I mean, I don't know what else to say. He's been exactly what we saw 
at training camp at the Greenbrier and at what we saw here in OTAs and what we've seen all along. There's been nothing about him that has been a rookie drop-off. I don't know if he's going to hit a rookie wall. I hope not because he is he's every bit the truth that we thought he was, Kel. I mean, you you know what we saw at the Greenbrier, and we were saying, man, this dude is, you know, okay, so now you take the next step. Okay, well, can he do it in games? Well, he did it in a couple of preseason games. Then you said, well, it's a preseason game, and you're not seeing the ones the whole game, and, you know, is he going to be able to project and do it the whole time? And you will remember just as much as I will when Sean Payton said prior to the season, I don't play fantasy football, but if I did, I'd take him. And so he knew something. Uh, and they took him in, the, they took Michael Thomas in the second round. They knew something. And I mean, Michael Thomas has been, you know, probably better than advertised. I, I had no idea he was as good as he is. I don't, I don't get a chance to watch a lot of college football. Uh, but if there was a college receiver that was better than him last year, God bless him, because Michael Thomas is the truth. Yeah, I don't make I don't make a whole lot of predictions, um, and I'm not looking to pat myself on the back here. But I remember writing, uh, you know, out there that you can go back and track. I said, look, the guy's going to be a star, and I hope I hoped at the time I wasn't going to be wrong because I'd look pretty silly. Uh, he, all he's done is prove prove right. That's for sure. Uh, John, when you look at the Saints' defense. They're getting pieces back, namely two big ones yesterday in Sheldon Rankins and, and Delvin Bro. How'd they look in their first game back? And are they a part of the reason why this defense is now starting to maybe show that they can hang a little bit? Well, they were solid. I mean, I think I saw what Delvin uh, played about 43 snaps and Sheldon may have played in the high 20s. And that's about where you want them to, to, to play. They're both coming back off broken, broken fibulas. And Delvin, to his credit, you know, Delvin started at right cornerback. I mean, so he wasn't just, you know, out there. Delvin started and played significant snaps and could have probably played more had the score warranted him playing more. Um, so Delvin's going to be Delvin's. He's going to be a he's gonna shut down guy. And getting Rankins back, you know, now you mix him in at that defensive tackle rotation. And as well as Nick Fairley has played and as good as Tyler Davidson has been, and then you get David Onyemata, who's played well in there, and also John Jenkins, well, yesterday, John Jenkins was inactive because Sheldon Rankins comes back. So that tells you the depth at that position right now, which is a great thing to have. So, you know, they're getting production out of there. And, I mean, I think those guys are going to help this defense be better. And certainly they're going to have to help this defense be better. I mean, you know, they're in, you see signs of improvement. You wondered after the first, you know, three, four games if the improvement was going to be there. You saw little bitty flashes of it, you know. I mean, played played great against Oakland for basically three quarters, and then the fourth quarter, Oakland explodes for twenty-two points. Well, now all of a sudden we see that Oakland isn't such a bad team, but still, twenty-two points allowed in a quarter. And there's nothing good <laughs> that can be covered up by that. But this defense looks like it's coming together, and if you can get Delvin back, Delvin Bro back healthy, and Sheldon Rankins back healthy. You got a shutdown corner, and you got a guy who, let's not forget, was starting at defensive tackle as a rookie when he broke his leg. He was starting ahead of Nick Fairley. As well as Nick Fairley has played, Sheldon Rankins was starting ahead of him, and they thought Sheldon Rankins was going to make Nick Fairley a lot better because he was going to keep Nick Fairley fresh. Well, if that's the case, if you got that one-two punch and Sheldon should be fairly fresh, he hadn't played this year, then you're gonna, your defense is going to be that much better. Uh, speaking of Oakland, watch them dismantle Denver last night. 
Denver's lost two of their last three, John. I, you know, it's hard for me to say that this is um, uh, going to be an easier task for the uh, Saints this coming weekend. I'm not so sure I want a Denver team that's trying to figure things out and wants to take it out on somebody. Or is Denver ripe for the picking here? And what we thought was going to be a, um, a ridiculously hard uh, uh, task on Sunday at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome Maybe a little more realistic now. I, I, I'm having a hard time figuring out which, which side I'm on on that. Well, Denver's gotten some uneven quarterback play, which helps the defense out. And one of the things that Denver hasn't done great is stop the run. And now the Saints have the last couple of weeks have shown that they're willing to run the ball 30-plus times a game if, it, if need be. Uh, they ran it 35 times against, against – um, the previous opponent, who now I'm forgetting all of a sudden, now isn't that something? I, I had it on the tip of my tongue. Oh, against Seattle, ran it 35 times against Seattle, and then came back and ran it 42 times against San Francisco yesterday. If they're going to get the run totals up in that area, where they're going to be running it 25 to 30 times, then that usually means something good for the Saints because the offense is balanced. It's not. It doesn't have that imbalance where you're where you're throwing it, you know, twice as much as you're running it. And in fact, yesterday. They ran it more times than they threw it, ran it 42 times, threw it 39 times. For the Saints, that always is a good sign. And if Denver's not stopping the run right now, you know, Sean Payton and this offense have shown they're willing to to physical up, to bow up, and run the football, and that might be the way to beat Denver. You know, that Denver defense, especially that pass defense, is top-notch. But if that run defense isn't top-notch, then the Saints have shown that they're willing to try to take advantage of it. Indeed. Long way to Sunday, and uh, we should savor a a happy Saints Monday for sure. Uh, John, as always, thank you very much, and um, glad you're back home, and and glad the Saints are home for this week, too. Well, I'm glad they're home for this week. I'm looking for you guys to come on home with the Pills and and get something out there on the road going. Man, this has been a tough start to a season for the second year in a row, but uh, hey, it's got to turn at some point, so why why not turn now? Speaking of the NBA, we'll talk with Matt Weiner from NBA TV about the Pelicans and the Warriors. That matchup is tonight and uh, the early headlines from around the league here in just a moment. That's John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. We'll take a quick break and we'll turn our attention to hoops right after this. Take flight with your New Orleans Pelicans and host your birthday party corporate event or a holiday party in a Pelicans luxury suite. No matter who you're entertaining, let the Pelicans take the hassle out of finding a venue and planning world-class entertainment. Luxury suites are available now for the games throughout the Pelican season, giving you great seats to see the biggest stars in the NBA. For more information and to book your luxury suite night, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Hi, Vincent Palumbo here. Terminex is the home of the $650 lifetime termite repair guarantee. Terminex provides termite protection and pest control. Call Terminex for all your pest problems. 834-7330. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. 
Let's turn our attention to basketball now. We've had enough uh, fun with the Saints and their win over the Niners yesterday, but here we are still on the West Coast, and the Pelicans tonight take on the Golden State Warriors. They'll travel to Sacramento tomorrow night, where actually they'll be uh, featured on Fan Night on NBA TV. And with that, we welcome in NBA TV host Matt Weiner. He's back with us here on the Black and Blue Report. And, Matt, it's great to talk to you. It's been a fun start to the season, I think, for most that follow the association. Absolutely. There's so many good storylines, starting with the Warriors, obviously, and, and what's going on out there, but just tons of good stuff going on. Unfortunately, the Pelicans have had a rough go of this, Matt, and 0-6. <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't think it was going to be a fantastic start, but I also didn't think it was going to be 0-6. Yeah, they're bad. Um, there's, there's no other way to put it, really. Um, you know, obviously the injuries are, are a huge issue, and at some point, hopefully Drew Holiday's uh, home situation is, is resolved in a positive way and he can come back and, and concentrate on basketball. But, you know, that's, that's just a difficult situation. There's no rush on that, obviously. It's a, this is a life issue, not a basketball issue. But in the meantime, between he and Tyreek Evans, they're, you know, really low uh, in terms of depth of talent, and they just need better players around Anthony Davis. And, frankly, they need to execute better and get him the ball in situations where he can affect games near the end. And we've already seen that a handful of times over the, uh, the first six games of the season that uh, at times when you would expect him to have the ball and have a chance to win or tie games late, he doesn't get it, which is just mind-boggling to me. Yeah, especially averaging 30 points a game and leading the, the league in free throws made and second and attempted. Those, those are the kind of things that make me scratch my head a little bit, Matt, and maybe we go a little bit deeper in that when you have that kind of a player producing at that kind of a level, surely there's a win or two somewhere in there, right? Yeah, you would think so, and it really, again, it comes down to the end of games. The other night we were watching, uh, I was on Friday night, and we have uh, crunch time on NBA TV when we bounce around and do live looks uh, into late-game finishes. That's what the whole show is about. And so we're watching the end of the Pelicans and the Suns, and I'm, we're sitting there just going, why can't he get the ball? I don't understand it. He got one field goal attempt in the final nine minutes, 35 seconds of that game, including the overtime. And that just doesn't make any sense. And it, it wasn't just that they were concentrating on him, the Suns, which, which they were. Every team is going to do that. But there were plenty of ways he could have gotten the ball and tried to make something happen. But possession after possession would go by when he didn't even touch it. And that just doesn't make any sense to me. And, and I'm at a loss to explain it. Um, they also just didn't execute what they were trying to do very well. But uh, that's, that's obvious, right? If you've got Jimmy Chitwood, you give the ball to Jimmy Chitwood. Good point. True. Um, unfortunately, the Pelicans are going to see the Warriors for a second time already tonight out here on the West Coast. What, 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 what's your take so far on the 4-2 and two Golden State Warriors? Well, really interesting, first of all. I mean, they're just fascinating to watch. Um, a couple of things. I mean, there's, there's a huge adjustment, which we kind of suspected there would be some kind of adjustment. It was just a matter of, you know, the magnitude of it, I guess. Um, it's significant, but you're talking about a team that was wildly successful over a couple of seasons and then added a player better than anybody on their roster, which is mind-blowing just on the surface. But think about the adjustment that means for everybody else, and you're seeing that happen on the floor. The, the positives are that, you know, eventually this team is just going to be diabolically difficult to stop offensively. You're already seeing, or at least I am, already seeing Kevin Durant get easier shots. And you're talking about maybe the, the best pure scorer in the entire league suddenly getting easier shots. He's getting lobs at the rim. He's getting backdoor cuts. 
things that just didn't happen very often when he was in Oklahoma City. So that part of it is, is really interesting. On the other hand, the shooters around him, and to some extent including Durant, but the shooters around him are not knocking down the sorts of shots that we've seen them hit for the last two, three years. You're talking about the greatest shooting team on the planet and a handful of the best shooters in the world just not hitting wide-open shots. They are, like, dead last in the league in spot-up points right now, which is just hard to understand. They're shooting 22% on spot-up jumpers. I mean, we're talking about wide-open jumpers. That doesn't make any sense, and there's no reason to think that'll continue. So they're going to get better on that end of the floor. The, the more challenging part is defense and depth. Um, Andrew Bogut was the back line of their defense, the rim protector. He was the anchor. He's no longer there. Zaza Pachuli is not that guy. Um, they seem smaller now, um, and they have not been great defensively so far, and that's something they're going to have to address. And then just because of what they had to do to accommodate Durant and his salary, the depth isn't there, and so the bench is, is a unit that is you know sort of coming together and figuring out what they're going to be, and that's, that's all part of the process. And for folks who you know don't like the super team concept, this is also part of the price you pay when you bring in Kevin Durant. Suddenly you have to trade away Andrew Bogut to make it work salary cap-wise, and you can't keep the exact same team together. Good point. And, of course, the Warriors have had their way with the Pelicans uh, over the last uh, several years, winning nine of their last ten uh, against these guys as well. Uh, Matt Weiner with us here from NBA TV. Matt, tomorrow uh, I'm, I'm not only excited to see the Golden 1 Center for the first time, but it'll be our first look at the Sacramento Kings in that game. Uh, is a part of NBA TV's uh, NBA coverage tomorrow night. What what could you tell me about the Kings uh, that I maybe haven't been able to notice already? Uh, well, they're a bit of a mess. <laughs> you probably already knew that. Uh, coming off a one and four trip, but the difference between I guess the Kings and the Pelicans at the moment is that they've got two really really good players in DeMarcus Cousins and Rudy Gay, whereas the Pelicans basically have one. Um, that hasn't necessarily translated into wins. They've shown flashes. But, you know, last night in Toronto, Gay and Cousins were the guys, and when they play really well, the Kings have a chance to win. They've also got Darren Collison, who I, I haven't read this yet, but he should be eligible to come back to play um, now that he has served his suspension on the domestic violence issue. Um, so that gives them a little more depth as well. They had been starting Ty Lawson. You know what they need? They just need continuity. Um, they've gone through, what is it, eight coaches in ten years, some ridiculous number. Uh, the ownership, frankly, has to leave them alone and let them do their jobs. Um, and Dave Yeager is a good coach. This guy has more leagues on his resume than Jules Verne, and he's won everywhere he's been, including Memphis. Need to leave him alone, let him do his thing, and establish a style of play that, that he thinks can win. But the other part of the equation is that the clock is ticking on DeMarcus Cousins, who's a free agent in 2018. If they don't turn the corner at some point this season, in my opinion, you're looking at a scenario where you probably have to trade him unless he's telling you behind the scenes, I absolutely want to stay here for a long, long time because at some point he's going to itch to win. Uh, and if you get to next season, then it's much tougher to trade him. So I think there, there is a, a, a crucial time element for the Kings right now. The Golden One Center, by the way, I was out there for vacation in, um, I guess that was June, and we flew in and out of Sacramento, so spent a night there, and I have to happen to drive past it. It's a very interesting building, very spaceshipy, but uh, it's downtown, which is great, 
and it's uh, it's obviously a huge improvement over what they had before. Oh, no doubt. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Matt Weiner with us, and Matt already with the line of the day, bringing Jules Verne into this conversation. Uh, <laughs> Matt, before I let you go, I know you already touched on the Warriors, not touched it. You went in depth on the Warriors. Uh, give me perhaps uh, one or, or two of your other favorite observations here through the first six, seven games for most of these teams. Well, from, from these teams or the league generally? The league, the league in general. I mean, when I say these teams, I mean the NBA, I guess. The NBA. Well, there are a handful. I guess the first thing that stands out is just how good the Cavaliers have been. Um, there is no evidence of any sort of championship hangover. Everybody came to work in shape. Uh, even J.R. Smith, who missed most of training camp because of the contract situation, looks good. Looks like he, there's no real transition period for him. And they just came in rolling, and that's a great sign for them. Um, I, I kind of like Dwight Howard with the Hawks. Um I, I thought that was a, a reasonable risk for them to take, um, and, and it, it seems to have worked so far. Boston needs all their parts together. That's a good team in the East, but they really, because of injuries, just haven't had everybody on the floor at the same time, and right now they've, they've been dealing with Al Horford out because of the uh, concussion protocol. So it's hard to say what they're going to be. I think most people think they're the second or third best team in the East. They haven't been that yet, and defensively haven't been very good so far. Um, and, and what else stands out? The Lakers are 4-3. and three. Go figure. I thought last year was kind of a lost season for them because of the, the ceremonial aspect of, of Kobe's last season before retirement. And I, and I felt like they weren't really able to develop anybody because of that. It was just hard to play for those young guys and learn what they're doing. So I, I think we're going to get a much better sense of, of what kind of talent level they have and what maybe those guys can become. And we'll see them on Saturday. You'll see Matt Weiner tomorrow night. Uh, of course, the uh, Pelicans and the Kings on Fan Night, 9.30 Central Time on NBA TV. Otherwise, Matt is uh, hosting NBA TV's Game Time and Beyond the Paint, two great shows all throughout the season. Matt, thanks so much. I know it's busy on a Monday for you. I appreciate your time, and we'll look for you you know, on NBA TV where all of us check in almost daily these days. Yeah, thank you so much, and uh, go get the Pels a win. We're going to try. It's not going to be easy this week, but we'll see what happens. Matt Weiner's on Twitter, at Matt underscore Weiner. That's W-I-N-E-R. And we'll take a quick break, and we'll continue after this. Got a long day ahead? Power on with Smoothie King's new coffee high-protein smoothies. It's a nutritious breakfast blended to shift your morning into high gear with delightfully smooth cold-brewed coffee for your mind and at least 30 grams of protein for your body. Try all four energizing flavors, vanilla, almond mocha, raspberry mocha, and cinnamon latte, and power on your day. New coffee high-protein smoothies. Coffee for your mind and protein for your body. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. 
Win the night for the entire family with a Pierre's Party Pack. Ticket packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include three or more tickets, combo meals, and an on-court free throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $48. The next Pierre's Party Pack night is Saturday, November 12th against the Los Angeles Lakers. For more information and to plan your next winning night out with the gang, visit pelicans.com today. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Yes, tomorrow is election day, but we will still have our Black and Blue Report. Daniel Salerson will be hosting from our uh, studios on Airline Drive, the headquarters of the Saints and Pelicans. Uh, Daniel will be joined tomorrow by Jim Eichenhofer, who's with the Pelicans and writes for Pelicans.com. It's his usual stop, uh, Tuesday stop, and uh, he'll be discussing not only excuse me, uh, tonight's ball game against the Warriors, but help us preview tomorrow night's game against the Sacramento Kings. And then uh, Tuesday means a fantasy football time for you and me and all listeners of Black and Blue Report as Daniel visits again with Jake Seeley from Roto Experts. That's tomorrow's Black and Blue Report. It'll be a late night on your radio and your television tonight with regard to the Pelicans and the Warriors. Tip-off is at 9.30 Central Time on Fox Sports New Orleans and on the Pelicans Radio Network. Coverage for both entities begins at 9 Central. So, yeah, we've got late night tonight and late night tomorrow night. Both tip-offs will be 9.30 Central. Hopefully we'll be talking about a stunning Pelicans win over the Golden State Warriors who lost their last time out against the Lakers, who since have won again. And that's who we'll see on Saturday at the Smoothie King Center. Yep, lots of stuff going on. And, uh, and again, thanks to our two guests today, John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com and Matt Weiner from NBA TV and uh, Turner Sports. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody. Now back to your regularly scheduled, well, you know what. We'll see you tomorrow right back here on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.